Chapter thirty seven of I Say No. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. I Say No by Wilkie Collins. Chapter thirty seven. The Lady Wants You, Sir. The pupils of the drawing class put away their pencils and colour boxes in high good humour. The teacher's vigilant eye for faults had failed him for the first time in their experience. Not one of them had been reproved. They had chattered and giggled and drawn caricatures on the margins of the paper as freely as if the master had left the room. Alban's wandering attention was indeed beyond the reach of control. His interview with Francine had doubled his sense of responsibility toward Emily, while he was further than ever from seeing how he could interfere to any useful purpose in his present position and with his reasons for writing under reserve one of the servants addressed him as he was leaving the schoolroom the landlady's boy was waiting in the hall with a message from his lodgings now then what is it he asked irritably the lady wants you sir with this mysterious answer the boy presented a visiting card the name inscribed on it was miss jethro she had arrived by the train and she was then waiting at his lodgings say i will be with her directly having given the message he stood for a while with his hat in his hand literally lost in astonishment it was simply impossible to guess at miss jethro's object and yet with the usual perversity of human nature he was still wondering what she could possibly want with him up to the final moment when he opened the door of his sitting-room she rose and bowed with the same grace of movement and the same well-bred composure of manner which dr allday had noticed when she entered his consulting-room her dark melancholy eyes rested on alban with a look of gentle interest a faint flush of colour animated for a moment the faded beauty of her face passed away again and left it paler than before i cannot conceal from myself she began that i am intruding on you under embarrassing circumstances may i ask miss jethro to what circumstances you allude you forget mr morris that i left miss ladd's school in a manner which justified doubt of me in the minds of strangers speaking as one of those strangers alban replied i cannot feel that i had any right to form an opinion on a matter which only concerned miss ladd and yourself miss jethro bowed gravely you encourage me to hope she said i think you will place a favourable construction on my visit when i mention my motive i ask you to receive me in the interests of miss emily brown stating her purpose in calling on him in those plain terms she added to the amazement which alban already felt by handing to him as if she was presenting an introduction a letter marked private addressed to her by dr allday i may tell you she premised that i had no idea of troubling you until dr allday suggested it i wrote to him in the first instance and there is his reply pray read it the letter was dated penzance and the doctor wrote as he spoke without ceremony ma'am your letter has been forwarded to me i am spending my autumn holiday in the far west of cornwall however if i had been at home it would have made no difference i should have begged leave to decline holding any further conversation with you on the subject of miss emily brown for the following reasons 
in the first place though i cannot doubt your sincere interest in the young lady's welfare i don't like your mysterious way of showing it in the second place when i called at your address in london after you had left my house i found that you had taken to flight i place my own interpretation on this circumstance but as it is not founded on any knowledge of facts i merely allude to it and say no more arrived at that point alban offered to return the letter do you really mean me to go on reading it he asked yes she said quietly alban returned to the letter in the third place i have good reason to believe that you entered miss ladd's school as a teacher under false pretences after that discovery i tell you plainly i hesitate to attach credit to any statement that you may wish to make at the same time i must not permit my prejudices as you will probably call them to stand in the way of miss emily's interests supposing them to be really depending on any interference of yours miss ladd's drawing-master mr alban morris is even more devoted to miss emily's service than i am whatever you might have said to me you can say to him with this possible advantage that he may believe you there the letter ended alban handed it back in silence miss jethro pointed to the words mr alban morris is even more devoted to miss emily's service than i am is that true she asked quite true i don't complain mr morris of hard things said of me in that letter you are at liberty to suppose if you like that i deserve them attribute it to pride or attribute it to reluctance to make needless demands on your time i shall not attempt to defend myself i leave you to decide whether the woman who has shown you that letter having something important to say to you is a person who is mean enough to say it under false pretences tell me what i can do for you miss jethro and be assured beforehand that i don't doubt your sincerity my purpose in coming here she answered is to induce you to use your influence over miss emily brown with what object alban asked interrupting her my object is her own good some years since i happened to become acquainted with a person who has attained some celebrity as a preacher you have perhaps heard of mr miles mirabel i have heard of him i have been in correspondence with him miss jethro proceeded he tells me he has been introduced to a young lady who was formerly one of miss ladd's pupils and who is the daughter of mr wyvil of monksmoor park he has called on mr wyvil and he has since received an invitation to stay at mr wyvil's house the day fixed for the visit is monday the fifth of next month alban listened at a loss to know what interest he was supposed to have in being made acquainted with mr mirabel's engagements miss jethro's next words enlightened him you are perhaps aware she resumed that miss emily brown is miss wyvil's intimate friend she will be one of the guests at monksmoor park if there are any obstacles which you can place in her way if there is any influence which you can exert without exciting suspicion of your motive prevent her i entreat you from accepting miss wyvil's invitation 
until Mr. Mirabel's visit has come to an end. Is there anything against Mr. Mirabel? he asked. I say nothing against him. Is Miss Emily acquainted with him? No. Is he a person with whom it would be disagreeable to her to associate? Quite the contrary. And yet you expect me to prevent them from meeting. Be reasonable, Miss Jethro. I can only be in earnest, Mr. Morris, more truly, more deeply in earnest than you can suppose. I declare to you that I am speaking in Miss Emily's interests. Do you still refuse to exert yourself for her sake? I am spared the pain of refusal, Alban answered. The time for interference has gone by. She is, at this moment, on her way to Monksmoor Park. Miss Jethro attempted to rise and dropped back into her chair. Order, she said faintly. After drinking from the glass to the last drop, she began to revive. Her little travelling bag was on the floor at her side. She took out a railway guide and tried to consult it. Her fingers trembled incessantly. She was unable to find the page to which she wished to refer. Help me, she said. I must leave this place by the first train that passes. To see Emily? Alban asked. Quite useless. You said yourself the time for interference has gone by. Look at the guide. What place shall I look for? Look for Vale Regis. Alban found the place. The train was due in ten minutes. Surely you are not fit to travel so soon, he suggested. Fit or not, I must see Mr. Mirabel. I must make the effort to keep them apart by appealing to him. With some hope of success? With no hope, and with no interest in the man himself, still I must try. Out of anxiety for Emily's welfare? Out of anxiety for more than that? For what? If you can't guess, I daren't tell you. That strange reply startled Alban. Before he could ask what it meant, Miss Jethro had left him. In the emergencies of life, a person readier of resource than Alban Morris, it would not have been easy to discover. The extraordinary interview that had now come to an end had found its limits. Bewildered and helpless, he stood at the window of his room and asked himself, as if he had been the weakest man living, What shall I do? End of chapter 37